And we are back. Welcome to the Founder Insights Podcast by Animoca Brands. I'm Rich Robinson, EIR at Animoca. And today I have founder and CEO of one of the OG Web3 games, Star Atlas. Welcome to the pod, Michael Wagner. Well, good morning to you, Rich. Great to be on the show and looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. Coming at us from uh, Miami. I am in uh, Bali. And uh, Bali, I guess, is kind of like the Miami of Southeast Asia in some ways. Uh, both strong uh, crypto hubs and... Uh, Same amount of uh, scooters from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> and probably equal amount of uh, uh, broken broken ankles and uh, and wrists uh, along, along the way. Um, yeah, great. Tell us uh, out there in uh, podcast land about Star Atlas, the game that you've been, uh, you know, chipping away at for the last few years, please. I, I'll be honest with you, Rich, this is always one of the most difficult questions for me, and you would think it would be the simplest. But um, the reality is we have a, a very large scope and a very big uh, vision for what we're building at, at Star Atlas. I can probably start with the simplest terms, which is Hey, just this grandiose AAA space exploration, massively multiplayer online game built almost entirely on chain. Um, but just that, just that, yeah. <laughs> so that's really just the starting point. That was really the uh, original conception of the idea. Um, and I'm sure we'll get more into the backstory. But the conception of the idea was uh, a lot of the well, the co-founding team. We've been in the crypto space for a long time. Um, uh, we had one door closed. Uh, in terms of opportunities and we were kind of looking for the next thing and looked at this confluence of nfts of DeFi, of an emerging web3 or blockchain gaming space and given our backgrounds and and in particular some of the expertise on that co-founding team uh, i went to them and said guys i really think we should create a game and they just lit up and um, a lot of credit to Danny Floyd, who's one of the, the co-founders, deep experience in game development, but he was the one that, that kind of brought this whole game design document together behind um, Star Atlas itself. So as I said, it's uh, a grand strategy. It's space exploration, massively multiplayer online game as a starting point. But we at Automata, which is the, the studio currently primarily responsible for developing Star Atlas, um, we develop across multiple environments. So in addition to that flagship product being built in Unreal Engine 5 and on top of Solana, we build a browser-based game as well. And this is more top-down real-time strategy game uh, centered on territory control. It's built in uh, using WebGL 3D assets and in-play canvas as the engine. Uh, we have a mobile companion app in development as well, um, uh, amongst other applications. Our marketplace that we built from the ground up, uh, a DAC platform, which is essentially a guild platform within Star Atlas, our DAO, our Decentralized Autonomous Organization. And where all of these things really coalesce is under this philosophy and this idea that if we build a platform, if we build a true development ecosystem on top of the blockchain, not just incorporating NFTs, um, taking that a step further and having a digital currency-based economy, having a tokenized, decentralized governance structure, but also abstracting game logic from the game engine, building that into smart contracts or on-chain programs on Solana and making those available to external developers as they natively are when you launch a smart contract. The implications of this are that our game product itself can be iterated on, modified, and expanded upon by any developer anywhere in the world. If you want to create DeFi services that specifically cater to our user base, you can do it. You don't have to ask our permission. If you want to build a modification to our game, uh, if you want to build your own storyline, you want to build your own lore, leveraging the Star Atlas IP uh, and the NFT assets that are available across our ecosystem, you can do that too. So the big picture here does lead down the path of the metaverse, which in my opinion is really just a uh, more immersive internet of the future. Um, and I think that we can do that through a unified environment of interconnected digital environments. 
So you know, all things that people do on the web today, I think they'll be done in some form in this version of the metaverse in the future. But the game is really the centerpiece of that. It is the cornerstone. It's what holds everything together. And it's also how we form what we consider to be a new digital society. The initial uh, pioneers and pilgrims uh, to this new digital society come by way of Star Atlas. And then the opportunity exists for people to build businesses all around that, whether that be programs or physical world productization uh, of the Star Atlas um, likeness. Wow, fascinating. That's um, quite extensive. The initial description you gave was encompassing enough and then adding you know, DAO and all the other elements. And then you talk about, you know, broadly a digital society, which uh, like, absolutely, why not? I mean, that's the promise of Web3. If you, you know, of course, listen to Yat, he's a similar systems thinker like yourself, who's saying yes, and, and a lot of Web3 is premised on that to be able to permissionlessly, trustlessly be able to iterate and build upon other things. So I would love to dive more deeply into the details of the game, Unreal Engine and Solana, et cetera. But talk to us a little bit more about, you know, abstracting game mechanics and putting those into smart contracts. I mean, that's not a concept I've, I've heard spoken of before. And indeed, if you look at like Axie, in some ways, Axie kind of got, you know, quote unquote, taken over by its, by its users, enabling scholarships and having all of these other people playing. That wasn't the original intention, um, but that's, that's part and parcel of, of Web3. And if you look at a game like Counter-Strike, you know, back in the day, people just set up Counter-Strike servers and that's how it kind of proliferated because people were enabled to kind of create their own mini communities, digital societies, if you will. So t t tell us a little bit more about about that, like expand the vision and talk to us, bring us five years in the future. What, what do you see? Well, quickly on the Counter-Strike point, <laughs> I have some very fond memories of Counter-Strike. I remember being at a LAN party back in 1999 when this came out as a mod for Half-Life and it was the rave of the LAN party at the time, but, um, and LAN parties, local area network parties for anyone that is <laughs> of the younger generation and has had access to broadband uh, for their life. But, um, and, and also the Axie uh, comment, you know, I think having the users take over the ecosystem is a great problem to have. Um, to the, uh, I think because they want it. It, it. The biggest problem is they, they they don't even want what you got, and if they're going to take it and modify it, then then you've won. And I think that's the largest potential here, right? It's it's the idea, um, the the transition into the Web three ideology, in my opinion, is the idea that we don't need to create walled gardens around everything that we create, because if you create a platform built for creators themselves, they're actually contributing value to your uh, initial idea, right? And it's justifiable for them to be able to monetize what it is that they've created. Uh, so the, 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 the developer, the entrepreneur, they're benefiting, we're benefiting because they're creating new content. Our users are benefiting because they're getting access to more features, more applications, more dApps and more content for themselves that it, either we don't have the capacity to develop or it would take us you know, substantially longer to try to create what the world can essentially create. And so to me, this is a synergistic value proposition and that everybody can win from this and we don't need to capture all of the value ourselves because this thing will grow exponentially if we provide that opportunity to people. I've sometimes described it as a, a new America moment. You know, it's like, here's, here's the new frontier and this is a radical innovative idea, let's see how it goes. And we obviously can't foretell the future ourselves, but um, but through presenting that vision, we've seen an immense outpour of support in this vibrant community within Star Atlas that is, they're just incredibly passionate about what we're doing with the game, but also the idea of this new frontier. And I think that's really powerful. I think it's one of the biggest assets of Star Atlas is, is just that enthusiasm um, for, um, again, the next frontier. And I'm glad you used the word radical. I mean, there is a radical nature to Web3 in general, just because 
internet and blockchain had a baby and that's Web3. And now things are on-chain great, but it's also, um, just as you said, permissionless and trustless and you know uh, decentralized. And that's the uh, double-edged sword in, in many ways. And that's what makes it sort of radical is because if you really want Web3 gaming uh, to grow, you have to bring a lot of well elements of the, you know, what's called Web2 gaming, you know, the the existing um, gaming ecosystems that, that are thriving in hundreds of billions of dollars. Yet those ecosystems are typically very, very controlled and uh, the, the IP is controlled and the monetization is controlled and, you know, the scarcity and everything else is controlled. And as a counter uh, counterpoint to counter strike, you know, those LAN parties, no, nobody's um, nobody's monetizing through the LAN parties. You know, the, the big switch was let's create everything under one sort of state where you have to pay a subscription or you have to buy virtual items and you have to be online. Like, how do you how do you square that circle? Is that is that with is that, is that through through tokens when you have this whole ecosystem sort of being you know co-opted and modified by other people? Where's the where's the upside and monetization for you guys? Well, we still very naturally have our own revenue streams um, that are both recurring as well as you know could be considered one time. So the opportunities for us to uh, mint and sell initial issuance of NFTs. We do that through a variety of different asset classes that consist of 145 different ship models that we'll be producing through time, of which 49 are currently available. Um, we have multiple forms of land assets, both productive, wherein users are able to extract blockchain-based resources and minerals from the celestial bodies where they operate. And then those go into an entire supply chain loop of refinement and crafting and then construction of new NFTs or replicants of uh, existing NFTs based on blueprints. Um, we have uh, residential land on central space stations where they serve as little more than a, uh, a social hub for collectives of players and or people who are just looking to socialize with people online the the chat rooms of the uh, of the information age if you will um, we also have commercial land and industrial land that exists on central space stations and our vision for that is for people to be able to launch legitimate businesses that function in the real world operate commerce in much the way that e-commerce operates today but um, you know execute those transactions through these digital storefronts, things like that. But we have components and modules, customization, skins. There's there's a number of different asset classes available in the game, and that is a, a core source, source of revenue for us today. But I could go on and on, but I, I think I just want to touch on the recurring revenue component of this, which is my perspective on how we create not only a sustainable economy but a sustainable business model is effectively through a system of taxation and gameplay itself within star atlas does require the consumption of resources that means somebody has to be producing those resources now we enable the players to produce those resources but we do things like capture a royalty fee on the marketplace when people when users are transacting them amongst themselves and so if we're able to, if we think of the universe of Star Atlas in the same way that you would think of uh, any nation state economy through taxation, um, the larger the GDP within that universe, the higher nominal taxation we actually collect. And in fact, you know, you can start to compress tax taxation rates um, to the extent that you have a large user base and a large transaction volume flowing through that. And so that's kind of the long-term perspective is, okay, we're investing a lot of capital right now to develop this thing. Um, uh, we have a source of immediate income through NFT sales as we bolster the economy and as we grow and attract users and people to this universe, then we can start to rely more on the residual income or the recurring revenue streams. And there's, an, again, a number of those that are embedded throughout the economy, but that taxation concept is really critical here. And I did want to come back, uh, Rich, to your earlier question about um, abstracting game logic, because this this is, to me, one of the most innovative aspects of what it is that we're building. And 
I can give you a few examples. Please. I, I will point first to our browser-based game. Uh, we call this Sage or Star Atlas Golden Era with Star Atlas being the Unreal Engine product. But within Sage, back in April, uh, on April 26th, we launched a, a, a movement test, an on-chain movement test. And what we've done is build a, pro a program on Solana that represents a Cartesian coordinate system. There's, it's a 100 by 100 grid um, uh, game board, if you will, or environment. And users are moving from tile to tile. When they execute that movement transaction, that gets recorded on Solana. Um, now we've gamified this, we turned it into a bit of a scavenger hunt. So there would be some incentive to come in and actually participate in the test, which allows us to stress test our infrastructure, uh, but also test the program itself. Um, and, and just since April 26th, we, our users have processed over 35 million transactions on Solana. Uh, it represents something like three to 9% of the total transaction volume on the network on any given day. And, and that's, so that's just movement, but also coming in Sage, which is really our test bed for a lot of these programs, are things like fleet management, uh, inventory management, the extraction loop. So being able to withdraw these resources from planets, the crafting systems, combat systems, um, the guild systems, all of these are operating as on-chain programs. And once again, I think that this is, it's very complicated to, approach development by which is already you know building a triple a game is already immensely complex but when you add the element of bleeding edge technology and on-chain game logic it makes it um, uh, far more challenging but the reason we're investing the time and the resources in, into doing so is specifically because we see the potential of external collaboration um, and integration into those on-chain programs Mm, thank you for sharing. And I love your mindset that it truly is a digital society. And when the GDP is rising and there's a thriving economy, then, then everybody wins. And uh, that's quite a different approach to what we've experienced on the internet up, up to now. And um, I think it's something that's going to enable a lot of um, transactions and business models and just, uh, you know, trillions of dollars of, of, of growth on the, on, on, online, you know, on chain, uh, ultimately when there really is this, uh, you know, thriving interconnected um, series of, you know, sort of like, you know, countries or, or economies in, uh, and that's, um, you know, that's a little difficult right now in this sort of state of, Web three and crypto to to fully to fully embrace, but uh, I think you know that's that's what we're all moving towards. And um, let's uh, let, let's dig a little bit more into the to the micro economy. You know the all of these different um, purchases and then the the resor the resources and how those all uh, flow together in a. Uh, in a, in a closed loop with, with sinks and faucets, how, how have you guys you know, jiggered that to be able to, to make it so that it doesn't, it doesn't blow up because the thing with, with economics is that even large, uh, resourced, uh, actual economies, U S and other markets, you know, in, inflation and recession boom bust happens. How, how have you guys approached that? Let me start by uh, commending our <laughs> internal economics team. Uh, it's a team of five highly specialized economists, uh, includes a, a PhD at the head of the uh, game economics um, department itself. You know, my background in finance, um, largely in capital markets, less so uh, with a specialty in economics, but um, kind of directly overseeing that and being actively engaged in those conversations, we put economic architecture, economic design, and this idea of sustainability at the very forefront. This was not an afterthought for us. We knew that if we wanted to build this type of product with the real world financial implications that are possible because of blockchain and because of cryptocurrencies, uh, that we wanted to get it right. Um, recovering from a catastrophic failure of the economy could be one of the most um, challenging 
um, things to accomplish should you uh, have a mishap there. So I will say we've taken it quite slow. Um, and, and admittedly, we are still early stage development. So by no means is the full robust economy available today. Um, but if I, if I start on the uh, token side of things, Atlas and Polis, um, Atlas was available in September of 2021. And one of the first things um, that we did and enable on our marketplace was the ability to purchase ships uh, with Atlas Holdings. So we, as a company, essentially became the the first token sync within the economy. There was a, a purpose and a utility <clears throat> for tokens that were being earned. Um, now, what that really does is, is um, act as a shock absorber at some point. We will likely need to liquidate tokens as well. These are not being uh, removed from circulation by any means, but they are being, it, it kind of slows the velocity of money temporarily while it moves into uh, the corporate wallet. On the other side, the emission, the faucet, if you will, um, we did want to provide relatively immediate utility to ship assets that were being purchased. A, a large dollar value of ship assets were sold, especially in 2021, but in the beginning part of 2022 as well. So we developed out a, a highly simplified game product we called Faction Fleet, commonly referred to as SCORE, uh, Ship Commission uh, on Remote Expedition. And the idea was that you can uh, take one of these NFT assets that you own, and while you can't fly it around in space, you can loan it out to your faction. There's three core factions in the game. You can loan it out to your faction, and you as a player are responsible for managing four different resources, food, fuel, ammunition, and toolkits. And to the extent that you have a non-zero balance on all four of those resources, uh, you will earn Atlas. So it's kind of it's, it's very passive, with the exception of you have to at least restock periodically. Now those resources came from the Star Atlas DAO. So the DAO has in fact been generating revenue since December of 2021, because the DAO had the rights to sell what was essentially an infinite supply. However trying to connect the loop for you um, on the resource consumption once the user purchased them and then resupplied their fleet that is when they were in fact burned but it was an infinite supply so it really didn't matter um, that was kind of the initial game state now we've since enhanced that with a recent release uh, alongside this um, uh, movement test that we called escape velocity wherein players were actually able to earn these resources inside escape velocity. And in conjunction with that, we have since deprecated the infinite supply from the DAO, but we've also introduced claim stakes. So the option to secure resources um, comes from three avenues. You can own a claim stake, which produces the resources for you at a fixed rate. You can participate in uh, gameplay, which is essentially the exertion of labor, spending time to collect resources. Um, or you can purchase them from other players who are producing them if you don't have a desire to play or you don't have a desire to, to purchase a claim stake, then you can purchase them from other players. It's been a, um, this was actually just last week that we made this transition of what we call the R4 economy. And um, it has been exceptionally well received. I think what players are very excited about is we started to hand over control of the reins to the players to find an equilibrium in prices of resources and how they want to spend their atlas or how they want to produce. And it, it essentially opens up a new line of business. Whereas previously you were only able to rent your ships out through faction fleet now you can also um, have a horizontally integrated business by producing resources that sustain your fleet or selling those to other players and this is a um, I, I do want to mention one more thing this is not necessarily tied to the economy but we've also been um, releasing modules of what we call the showroom and this is the unreal engine client it's available on epic game store you can download it now um, and the showroom is another avenue of utility for these ships and, and assets that people own because you're able to go into the showroom, connect your wallet, um, which, by the way, I, I will add, we built an SDK that we've called the Foundation SDK 
that is a native Solana integration into Unreal Engine 5, and we built a wallet on top of that. So we built the world's first Solana wallet in Unreal Engine. And so users connect their ledger or they create a wallet right there in, in the game client, and then they can load their ship. So there are other things that you can do in Showroom. We can get to those, but there, there are ways to have fun with your assets. Um, but just through the economic lens, it's primarily through this faction fleet, faction claims, and now escape velocity loops. Man, yeah, your utility belt, your superpower that you've brought to the table as a co-founder in this venture is your deep understanding of, of finance. And in some ways, that's um, just as powerful um, as having the expertise around game mechanics or, you know, doing the dev hell and um, live ops and optimization of running a game as well too, because we're all still figuring this out. We're putting the railroad tracks in front of us as the steam train goes, you know, chugging down the line, trying to figure out that right kind of balance. And I really like uh, that, that R4, I, I guess that stands for revision four, the fourth revision of the economy. Is that right? And so th that one's kind of inverse. That one is the uh, four resources or resource four. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. So, so th that, that seems, you know, when you talk about giving the kind of letting the market find its own equilibrium instead of having kind of like a centrally planned uh, economy in, in some ways, that's where the capitalistic, you know, democratic societies thrive when there's, you know, kind of Adam Smith, the free hand of capitalism is there balancing things. And um, that's, a, that's a, that's a very delicate balance and, um, you know, one that can be scary, but probably the one where it can, it can thrive the most. I would note that there, should it be necessary, we can uh, implement changes as needed to to bring these things back into balance. But this is part of the experimentation and part of the testing that we're doing. It's it's not only testing the technology; it's testing our thesis on the economics and is this going to work? And so. The, um, it's amazing how excited our econ guys get about collecting data about what's going on in the marketplace, what the current price trends are. Um, you know, are people buying claim stakes? How many, how much activity do we have inside escape velocity? We've seen a two and a half X increase in escape velocity just since announcing this, because people know this is now an avenue to, to collect resources. So it's, it's, in many ways, um, and for a particular demographic, this is part of the game. You know, and if, if you talk to EVE Online players, a lot of these guys or girls are spreadsheet players. You know, they're they're looking at the marketplaces, the numbers, they're transporting goods ar around uh, the different sectors, and that's what they take enjoyment from. And we have a solid base of um, financially minded, economically minded people that are very excited about um, the immersive world that we're building in Unreal Engine, but they also get captivated by the economic gameplay. And I think... Um, it, it's just great to see this start to come to fruition, but we are, we're keeping a close eye on it. it it's important to us, uh, but we are taking these very gradual steps to unlocking more and more capabilities um, and, and management uh, to the player base itself. I'm glad you brought up Eve Online. I know that they had the, I believe the first PhD economist um, working on their sinks and faucets. Uh, back in the day, and that that game's been around, I think, probably 15 years. And um, yeah, there that's kind of an ultimate game in a way. A lot of people play stock market, or you know, try to um, just be in the game of business, which is kind of the ultimate uh, gladiatorial arena to be in a startup. So, so there's um there's an excitement and uh, passion and interest around that. So. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for sharing. Let's um, let's talk a little bit more about your uh, origin story and the other the other co-founders and how you guys came together and talk a little bit about your your journey uh, along the way. 
Sure. And you had mentioned, you know, an expertise in kind of understanding the financial modeling of this. And I am the first guy to admit that I'm far from the expert in game design and game direction. But fortunately, that's where the co-founders help fill this out. And also, we just have an incredible team of talent that's been recruited from some of the best studios and best firms um, around the world. So uh, I have a lot of gratitude for the team that we've been able to build here and it, it it probably sounds cliche, but it is always my goal to not be the smartest guy in the room because then you know you have something to learn from from everyone. So, uh, in terms of my backstory, this is something I, I do share often. So for any you know people that follow me, they've probably heard this a hundred times, but uh, always happy to share. Um, you know, I I started my career out of college in the finance industry. I worked in uh, professional wealth management, in portfolio management, and investment and securities analysis. Um, I hold a CFA charter; it's a, a financial designation. And um, I, I guess going back a little bit further, my relevance in the game industry is really just this computer group that I was a part of. It was our group of friends, but we were all computer guys. And this was in um, late middle school and high school for me. We called ourselves the Lanarchists. And uh, we actually own the Lanarchists domain, which is pretty cool. The Lanarchists, that's excellent. Uh, my brother owns the domain. Um, and, you know, our weekends were spent bringing our big CRT monitors and towers to our friends' houses. And, you know, we didn't party. We ate pizza, we drank Mountain Dew, and we played video games. And we did that for 48 hours straight until we had to pack up, sleep Sunday night, and then it was back to school on Monday. So uh, some, you know, very memorable years for me there. It was actually a few years out of high school and I think even out of college, I reconnected with one of my buddies from that group. We were on a bike ride together and he knew I was in finance and he brought up the idea, uh, uh, well, he had mentioned to me that he was mining cryptocurrencies with GPUs. And I really, I had heard of Bitcoin, but I didn't know anything about it. In fact, admittedly, I saw you know, the um, uh, wallet hash on the pirate bay, <laughs> and I, and but no idea what it was, right? And uh, as we're riding along, he's telling me, yeah, I've, I have these milk crates set up with GPUs, and uh, I, I mine these different coins, and then I can go trade these coins. And I was pretty captivated by that, understanding that I both had built all my own computers growing up. I knew how to put together a computer rig pretty easily. And these were kind of new financial markets. And so I uh, went to his house with a six pack of beer and we we sat down, he showed me how it worked. And, and that began my journey. I immediately made investment into um, uh, hardware, set up the rigs, and I was mining script coins. Now this was at the end of 2013. Good timing. Good timing, also bad timing. Uh, market collapsed in 2014 uh, when Mount Gox went under, when that was compromised. And so my mining operation was not profitable, but um, where it was fortuitous is that it, it really captivated me the potential uh, about the potential of this technology. And so I spent a couple of years just seeking out opportunities, making friends, making connections. And <clears throat> it was actually in 2015 at one of the private wealth management uh, RIAs that I was working at, I was trying to get them to add Bitcoin and crypto to client portfolios. And the stigma at the time uh, was <laughs> terrible. And uh, they didn't even want me to talk about this in the office or don't bring up Bitcoin at all in the office. And I made the decision that I was just going to um, jump in head first on this. I, I you know, resigned from my position. I went full-time crypto. I traded for a couple of years, 2015 and 20, um, most of 2016. And that was when I had the first idea for my my first startup in the Web3 space or in the blockchain space. And that was a company called Tokes. And the idea there was um, to operate at the intersection of crypto and legal cannabis using blockchain and cryptocurrencies to provide financial solutions to that industry. We did have a, a number of uh, successes in that company. In fact, the guy I was on the bike ride with was a co-founder with me on that company. His name's Gabriel Allred. But um, it, it wasn't until 2020, um, shortly after we had worked with the Nevada State Legislature to get a bill passed, AB 466. This introduced a tokenized closed-loop financial ecosystem for the state of Nevada. 
we were prepared to go live with that and uh, the pandemic hit. And so government shut down, um, kind of that whole program was put on hold. And that was when um, I, I uh, Danny Floyd and Jacob Floyd, two of the other co-founders at Automata and on Star Atlas, uh, they were still working with me. I had, had actually recruited them in 2017 through an acquisition of a hemp exchange called the called Checks, the Cannabis Hemp Exchange. And so we've been working together now for approaching eight years, um, seven years. And uh, we were pretty much the only three people left at Tokes. And, and I brought them this idea of, of on-chain gaming and uh, it kind of sparked a, a revolution. Um, they, we all went to work immediately. It was the only thing we could think about. And by January of 2021, we had pitched this vision through a white paper and an announcement to the world. And it, it really just blew up. Terrific hero's journey. Thanks for sharing. I, I love that you would uh, lug these gigantic monitors uh, to, uh, I've, I've been part of that before, to somebody else's house. Like the kids today, they don't know. They don't know the struggle, the struggle back then. But also all that is old is new again because I have two two sons, 19 and 17, and all their time and treasure is in in gaming. And, you know, it's a, a common lament you know, the kids are just spending too much time and, and there, there probably is a, um, there should, there should be a limit, um, I think, uh, but you know, you've done good. Like it's, it's something that's built, uh, as a, it's a foundation that you've built upon. And I, I think that there needs to be, I think a little bit more, um, embracing of the positive aspects of the, the, the social aspects and the collaborative and the, uh, strategic and, and others that, that really help people, you know, and you, you're building your own rigs. I mean, all, all of those skill sets all, all come together and you've put, you logged thousands of hours in that. It, you know, what was, I, I think, exciting about it, especially in those earliest days, well, I mean, first it felt like the complete wild west. And if you think crypto is the wild west now, you have no idea what it was like, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, but, um, for me, it was it was the opportunity to uh, it was learning a new skill set because um, you know speaking of back in my day uh, back then uh, the way that you all of these uh, miners the that you would uh, these programs that you would run to mine crypto with your GPU these were all Linux based and so and I, I honestly had no experience with Linux I learned how to you know compile these miners set up a headless uh, rig, no monitor, SSH uh, into these machines, and then uh, and operate these things. And it was it was really just it was just fun, right? It wasn't. I mean, I wanted to make money, but I just had fun with the experimentation aspect of it. And it seemed uh, it it was rewarding just in the fact that it was that in and of itself was almost a game. It was like how can I outperform whatever's going on, how can, I, how can I pick the right coin or how can I get ahead an advantage over other people in trading this, um, you know, earlier than them or, or, you know, holding just a little bit longer. But I guess I will say I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit within me as well. I mean, I think my earliest story of entrepreneurship goes back to fifth grade, went to, went to Costco with my mom and bought a bag of that mixed candy put that in a tin and I was selling that on the playground and that lasted all of 10 minutes before the principal came over and confiscated it. But uh, I've, I've had these little ventures in my life um, from very, very early age. So it's extremely rewarding, but extremely challenging to be an entrepreneur. But I absolutely love that, you know, the, the problem solving component of what we do every single day when you, when you find the solution is just so rewarding. That's great. Yeah, you made you had something that people wanted, and that was clear. But I guess the regulatory environment within the within the school was not favorable. But you know, ten years ago, you get involved, and I made that comment like good timing. And you know, it was uh, if if you could tell somebody right now, hey, you can go back a decade and start mining Bitcoin, people would say yes, please. But but it's all relative because you were like, well, then you know, the twenty fourteen one of the many, you know. Uh, let's call it crashes or, you know, dips in, uh, in, in crypto happened soon after. And then of course, you know, Mt. Gox was, um, seismic. Um, 
I think the lesson there is that even like right now, last week was not the the greatest week in in our industry with um, a lot of clamping down in the in the U.S. and you know we're in this sort of winter, but yet I think people will look back at this era and you know in a decade and say, like, "Wow, like you you were involved in Web three then, and wow, that's amazing." It's it's become so much of the fabric of society and what a great time to be to be involved even if it doesn't necessarily feel so favorable i completely agree i i am incredibly grateful that i was introduced to this when i was i mean hey i wish it was 2010 but um you know 2013 is still a great time to be involved and to have seen all that has happened the complete transformation and growth and acceleration of this industry through all of the ups and downs um incredibly rewarding i i think it's analogous in so many ways to business because um, I, I think you need a degree of, of fortitude, of passion, and perseverance in business operations. You have to ignore the fear. Yeah, share share some of that. The ups, the micro ups and downs. We went through the macro and micro economy. Let's go through the the macro and micro trials and tribulations. That some of the lessons learned uh, to date. So I can relate that to crypto itself, as you said, you know, this market cycle, bull and bear uh, markets, which are extreme in crypto. And that's part of the appeal to me. And I think to a lot of people is this high volatility environment. That is an opportunity um, to produce wealth if you if you do it right. It's, you know, it, it could be gambling or considered gambling, but so is trading stocks, right? In many ways, it's the exact same thing. Now you have more stability in stocks and and um, it's more correlated to broad physical world um, economics than what we see in, in the crypto space. But I think having the fortitude to stick through, especially for me, something again that I'm grateful for is even though I got involved in 2013, uh, as it was approaching the all-time highs, it was hitting. Uh, Bitcoin was hitting a thousand or eleven hundred at the time, only to immediately collapse in February of the following year. I think it would have been easy for me to say, "Okay, this is a scam," or, "You know, this isn't going to make it. It's not going to last." But uh, something inside me recognized that that there was real potential there, and it was sticking through the bad time um, and being there for the next positive cycle. And and that's happened four times now, I think, in my experience in crypto. So um, in, in in business, it's very much the same. I, you know, throughout my history of launching companies, we've had these successes, like getting the, helping to get this bill passed. I met with 30 or 35 different policymakers, legislators in the state of Nevada to talk about the potential benefits of, of crypto and how that cannabis industry could benefit from it. The bill passes, it goes to RFP. This was an arduous process. I, I think it was a 200 page application for the RFP. And ultimately we got selected as one, uh, one of two companies out of 30 or so that had applied. And we were so excited because this is what we've been working so hard for. And then that door closes in your face. And again, it would have been easy to simply say, you know what, we're giving up on this, but I'm not doing that either. In fact, um, the legacy Tokes is is transforming itself. And it uh, my intention is to bring Tokes into the universe of Star Atlas through some um, gamified cultivation operations and as a tangential world uh, within Star Atlas. Um, and, and then likewise, even with Star Atlas, it's not been all roses. We've, we had a phenomenal start. We had excellent timing. We picked Solana very early on. Uh, that saw explosive growth. Our, our 2021, we felt invincible. And despite being through all of these cycles and feeling that we were prepared for what was to come, 2022, in my opinion, was the absolute worst year in crypto in all of my experience and that's that's going through things like mount gox and going through things like the bitfinex hack and uh you know all of these frauds and rug pulls that's 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 saying something what's uh what what has um affected and informed that opinion i think i think it's a couple of things the magnitude of the failures that we saw you know these these quote-unquote black swan events um that that took place um from celsius 
um, a three arrow capital, uh, uh, digital currency group is in trouble, uh, obviously FTX, and that was one that impacted us directly. Um, that was an exchange, you know, despite living and breathing the philosophy of crypto of not your keys, not your crypto, that was an exchange that was highly credible that received billions of dollars investments uh, of investments from some of the biggest uh, venture capital groups around the world i thought they were extremely trustworthy but and and we had a significant amount of assets on that exchange and to discover that was a complete fraud um at the end of the day i mean uh how shocking it was uh when that happened and that also came by the way speaking of ups and downs, uh, that came during the Breakpoint conference in Solana. And we happened to be uh, presenting a major release um, uh, during that event. Breakpoint is Solana's big annual conference. And it was just about the exact time that I was finishing a keynote presentation. We were riding highs. We were on cloud nine. We could see that our community was incredibly excited. Uh, the presentation went well for me personally, so it felt really good. And shortly after that, it was, oh, that money you had on FTX is gone. Wow. And now I have to go to my community uh, and inform them that we've lost capital and we've lost runway because we had exposure on that exchange. So it just went from absolute high to as low as I could be in the matter of a week, <laughs> less than probably a weekend. Um, so I think, I think the studio would slide that script back to you and go, no, I don't, I don't believe that. Rewrite re re that. It's, it's too extreme. So, wow, that's, um, that, that's a lot, but you continue to not just survive, but thrive and you're, you're, you're pushing, persevering, pushing through. That's right. And, and again, a lot of credit to the entire team um, I, uh, behind Star Atlas because uh, everybody is extremely passionate about what we're doing. It's not just, I was actually just having a conversation about this earlier, uh, but the, the, the talent that we've recruited in many cases have multitude of opportunity. They could go wherever they, they want to work, right? It's um, their work product is often a passion project of theirs. It's what do I want to spend my time on? The money is a consequence of me being able to do what I love to do and where I want to do it. And so um, th these people could have worked anywhere, but they chose to work at Star Atlas because they believe in the vision, they believe in the idea and the innovativeness of it. Um, and these are people that are sticking with us that are bearing down and getting things done to deliver as fast as possible at these really unsustainable rates, but because they know that it's critical that we do it for success. So again, a lot of gratitude from my side for, for these people uh, that are building in this community that continues to support us in face of what appears to be insurmountable odds. And it's really because of those things that we've been able to continue to push through. We've had a number of launches this year. Our sentiment scores are at all time highs again, and, and we're emerging through this. So um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I should share it out loud, but I've been the guy to say, look, if this is going down, I'm going down with the ship and you're all going down with me. <laughs> We're going to ride this thing to the very end. And that is, um, that's the, that's the philosophy, you know, we're, we're not going to pull any stops and we're going to get this done. All in. That's great. Yeah. Going, going down with the spaceship. Um, but, uh, it feels like, uh, you're, you're really, you know, coasting into uh you know free space unencumbered by by uh much much gravity now uh i love how we talked about making stuff that people want is kind of the core of entrepreneurship but also giving giving your team what they want and oftentimes it's not solely a monetary issue it's really about am i being challenged am i thriving am i really you know given some agency and that's an excellent way to attract and retain staff. And that's the, the lifeblood of a company. Could not agree more. Um, we think about that a lot about career progression and, you know, multiple forms of compensation, not just base pay, but um, other forms of incentivization, stock options, and RTUs, RSUs, all of these things. But um, ultimately the, that, what you had noted, uh, the idea of being challenged and being able to grow and become a better person because of the time that they're committing to this. I think 
that's something that you really can't place a value on. But when you do have really dedicated people on your team, that's what they strive for. And, um, I, you know, I think we largely benefit uh, from that. The company benefits from that. The community benefits from that. The world benefits from us building something that's better because of that mentality. Terrific. Yeah. The, the founder of Spotify, um, I'm sorry, the founder, founder of Shopify, uh, he was in the Tim Ferriss podcast and he said, I think that uh, hell would be when you die and then from behind a curtain comes the best version of yourself. Uh, and I think in many ways, entrepreneurship is a way, uh, it's not guaranteed, of course, but is a way to uh, help nudge you towards becoming the, the best version of yourself because you're just absolutely doing this trapeze act without a net and you have to constantly push yourself and there's no, uh, there's no hiding from, from weaknesses and from these challenges. So, um, it's, uh, it's going to be fun to watch you as you continue on your, on your journey. Thank you. I'm, I'm feeling really energized, uh, right now, to be honest. I, I, it's just great to see the momentum, the wind back in the sails. And, uh, it's, it's as though the, the light it, at the end of the tunnel is rapidly approaching. So it feels good to be back in that position. It's kind of getting knocked down, but getting back up. And, and I think we're going to win this fight. Woo Love it. Excellent. Michael Wagner, ladies and gentlemen, co-founder, CEO of Star Atlas. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be considered as financial advice. Any opinions provided in this podcast reflect the views of the speakers only.